What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Uh, this is a bit of a different episode today. This is actually an interview that I did with um, Kayvon Devani on his Total Bitcoin show. So I was a guest on his show. And uh, Kayvon's a super nice guy, been putting out a lot of great content uh, around Bitcoin, a lot of great people on his show, really interesting format. And uh, I had a great conversation with him. So I thought I'd, I'd share it with you guys here as well. Uh, just a note, the first half, there was, uh, I think we had some bandwidth issues. So the, the audio was spotty uh, in places, but uh, hopefully it's not too disruptive. If you wanna follow Kayvon, his podcast is called The Total Bitcoin Podcast. And his Twitter handle is at K-E-Y-V-A-N-D-A-V-A-N-I. And uh, that's it. Enjoy the show. Let's do it. Hey, John. Welcome to the show, to the Total Bitcoin Podcast Show. How are you doing, man? Thanks for coming I'm on doing, my show. I'm doing great, Kayvon. Thanks for having me on. Uh, man, this is a little, little impromptu this morning, but it's a great way to, uh, to start my day. Yeah, spont spontaneous is everything. So listen, uh, John, it's really funny because yesterday I was like, God, I could talk about so many, uh, st uh, you know, things with you about, you know, it related to Bitcoin and we're going to talk Bitcoin. But then, you know, I, 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 uh, me and my girlfriend went pretty early to sleep or I don't know, we fell asleep. So let me tell you, this because it's so funny. Um, uh, it's so hilarious, the whole story. So I had a dream where you uh, you and me and another friend, I don't know who it was, was were driving in a car. And we started talking and I had my podcast thing, you know, in the backseat running. And I thought, okay, you know, it's just recorded. Let's just have a talk. Uh, and and then we start talking about Bitcoin a while. And then after a while, I don't know, you know, time lapses in, in my dream. So we start talking about psychedelics. I don't know why, you know, about like psychedelic experiences, ayahuasca. I don't know why, you know, maybe the, the idea was how can we, it was sort of the context was like, how can we open up people to comprehend or, you know, to be more receptive to Bitcoin. And so we went to another restaurant, you know, we had to squeeze ourselves into this bench with a lot of other people. And we, you know, continue talking about Bitcoin and psychedelics. And I talked about, you know, about this lady friend I have who is like 65 years old, who reminds me of this Matrix uh, lady, you know, this aunt. <laughs> so it was so hilarious. So, um, and Sounds then, like a great car ride. You know, yeah, you know, I'm telling you this because afterwards today, and I said, and I told my girlfriend, oh, I, you know, I, I got this interview at 6 p.m., which I thought, you know, I'd agree, but then it was my mistake. Um, uh, and I and I said, uh, well, you can check him out, you know, check out his podcast. I'm a real big fan of his podcast. It's like, you know, rapid fire Bitcoin. So she checks you out and she finds a YouTube channel, which I never had, you know, checked. And she, and she, and I, you know, we go through the topics and I'm like, God, it's like totally open-minded, you know, like spiritual martial art, yoga, psychedelics, I think even, <laughs> is that true or, or no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the YouTube channel was just uh, something that, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I like recording conversations with people that are, uh, you know, interested in similar things to me. And so uh, that was just the, the YouTube channel was just a repository really for these conversations I was having, which was part of the RV trip that I mentioned to you uh, before we started. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, whether it's psychedelic, you know, I've been into fitness and health my whole life. I've uh, mm -hmm. been into psychedelics for the last uh, 10 or 15 years, uh, you know, Bitcoin, for a number of years and like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious and I guess I'm drawn to things that I think are, you know, have the potential to be tremendously beneficial in people's lives and in my life and in allowing me to be the person and have the life that, that I want to have. So, you know, in Bitcoin, of course, as you know, 
you know, it, there's such a huge asymmetry between what people know about it and what they think it is and what it actually could represent, the impact that it could have in the future. And that's why we're all so passionate about it. But I think, you know, psychedelics is another one in a very similar vein where people think it's one thing. There's, a, there's you know, a lot of misperception about what it is. And it's actually something else. And that something else is, has such huge potential, in my opinion, for, for positive impact and, and development and change and positive change in the individual that it like there's a lot of overlap between the two, actually. And so, yeah. you know, I'm, uh, I'm interested in those two things for that reason. Yeah, the YouTube channel is just fun, a fun way to explore uh, things I'm interested in. So what's the connection then? I mean, how, how, tell, tell me a little bit about your, you know, your journey, your story about how do you, what's your background or how'd you get into Bitcoin? What's your rabbit hole story? Um, my rabbit hole story. Well, I mean, the, the first part is I've always been very, very curious about uh, everything, you know, just always wanted to see and think as clearly as possible and just pursue truth wherever I could find it. I know that's a bit, you know, cliche, but you know, that's, I think we're all, a lot of us in the Bitcoin community at least have somewhat of a bent towards pursuing the truth and finding clarity about things and not accepting uh, what we've been told or what we've been taught. But the, the, the thing that I thought about this the other day, actually, and I hadn't thought about it in a while, but like the, so when I was in high school, I was very interested in like the stock market and reading about, you know, Benjamin Graham, uh, security analysis and Warren Buffett, and like really trying to absorb uh, what these guys were saying, because I wanted to be filthy rich when I was older, right? This, this was the goal. And, uh, but I was all, also simultaneously, you know, I was like, I love smoking weed when I was in high I love working out when I was in high school. So like all those things were already there. It was fertile soil for sure. And then, um, so Mark Emery, he, he um, was a Canadian marijuana advocate and he sold uh, seeds, like marijuana seeds all over the world. And the U.S. You know, expedited him and charged him with like distribution of marijuana. He was like number one on the most wanted list or something absurd like that. And uh, he in, in like before when he was fighting the extradition and he actually was extradited and he spent a number of years in prison. He's out now. But uh, when he was arguing his case, he, he was wearing a Ron Paul T-shirt one day. And so I watched a YouTube video and I saw him like arguing his case. And I thought, well, who, who's this Ron? Who's this person on this T-shirt? Like, why is he wearing a T-shirt with some guy's name on it? And so I looked into Ron Paul. And then that led me down the, you know, Federal Reserve rabbit hole and all that kind of stuff. And so for the longest while before Bitcoin, I was a gold bug. I was like, oh, my God, the system is fucked. You know, you know, the fiat money system is such a, um, you know, it, it's, it's such a manipulated bullshit uh, game. Uh, how do I protect myself? And, and for me at the time, you know, gold was the answer. But as, you know, I'm sure you've discussed with many people as well, like I... You know, I was really disheartened when I started to see, quote unquote, the truth about what was going on. And like, you know, gold didn't give me that much, um, didn't make me feel that much better about things. It was just a hedge against what might happen, you know, but I still, you know, I found my way of, of moving forward and positively and trying to make the best of a bad situation. But like many of us, I just didn't see how this whole thing would get turned around in a positive way. Thought it would keep going in the same negative direction. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um and so then when, when 
Bitcoin came on the scene, I, I had, you know, I got very early introduction to it, but I just, I didn't see it for what it was, right? As so, so like many people, people. Oh um, yeah. I was, in, right, right. Uh, but I was interested enough to like pursue it intellectually whenever I had the opportunity. So, um, you know, I, I watched Andreas's videos early on and, uh, you know, this, this is going to sound bad because I, I like Andreas and he's done so much for the space and he's just, he's an, an amazing asset. But in the early days, he was always like, don't go out and buy it, learn about it and like uh -huh. that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I wish the early guys were like, fuck that, get some skin in the game, buy it and then learn, you know, learn about it afterwards. Uh, but anyways, so I, uh, I, I just kept my eye on it. And then I did my first interview in, in 2015 with Bobby Lee, because we were both living in Shanghai at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just kickstarted it all. And then, you know, I, I've been observing it closely ever since. So um, that's kind of the, the short version. It, it, the reason why I was in Shanghai, the first part of my career there, I was in finance, I was in wealth management. So I, I worked for a, number, a few years there. And then that was you know, soul destroying, didn't like it at all, didn't like the people, the industry, anything like that. So I went back to school for three years and I did a, a degree in, in natural medicine, uh, kind of in line with, you know, pursuing health and wellness for, for my whole life independently. And then I went back to Shanghai and I worked for uh, two years in a clinic there in that capacity. And then, uh, the, you know, and then I didn't like that either, you know, just far too much emphasis on, uh, on revenue and greed and, you know, didn't like the owners and just wasn't a great situation all around. And so I left in April 18 and went to Amsterdam, bought the RV and drove around Europe oh, for a little wow. while. And then I met my, uh, my girlfriend in Thailand and, uh, spent the last year in Thailand, just, you know, kind of living, training, uh started the podcast in in late august i think in in last year late august 2019 and uh, now i'm back in canada i came home for christmas but um my family's in the restaurant business here and so i uh you know there's certain things that uh, they wanted some help with and i thought i could help so right now i'm i'm floating around canada uh, doing some stuff with them but i suspect i'll be back in thailand uh, in the not too distant future really okay for like permanent or like more or less or yeah i mean i i hate to be ambiguous but you know i don't know right now i i uh i love it there it's amazing and my girl is there and you know we have a, a great situation there but uh yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of just mm -hmm. floating around at the moment i don't feel compelled to go back to China. you know shanghai yeah i've always loved shanghai and i spent you know almost a decade there and um it's a great city, it's super modern, it's cosmopolitan. There's lots of great people there. There's a ton of opportunity, of course. But the China story is starting to, mm -hmm. you know, unfold in a direction that I'm I'm less and less comfortable with. And then of course, you know, with the current situation with the virus, it's not a time where many people are, are yeah. clamoring yeah. to get back to China. A lot of the people I know are actually leaving. So Yeah. I'm actually concerned a little bit too now because everything, you know, is booked and I'm going to Hanoi. The crypto economic conference organized by Eric Vasquez in a Bitcoin conference uh, summit. Uh, so I don't know, you know, what to make of it. But I heard in Hanoi there's not one single case of inf of infection, you know. So 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to think about the whole virus thing. You know, you Me hear neither. so much stuff on on Twitter and stuff like, "Oh my God, it's the pandemic. The world is fucked." Mm-hmm. Or it's like, "Ah, it's nothing." You know, it's less than the common cold in terms of death or common flu in terms of death and stuff. So, like, I think it's always great to exercise cautious kind of stuff because it can mm-hmm. get out of hand rapidly. Obviously, with the the way the world is today. But, um, you know, down in Thailand and Vietnam and stuff, at least right now, it doesn't, I don't think it, it's a really a, a serious threat. It's probably just an inconvenience more than anything, because you'll probably have maybe get checked at checkpoints and stuff like yeah. that. But so far, pro- I think it's okay. Yeah, the problem is the incubation period. Now that we're talking about, what do you think is the, what's going to be the impact for, you know, the, the chain reaction of, of if, if it, you know, gets out of control and, uh for you know, trade, supply chains, economies, um, and everything's going on. You know, with well, man, China's been pretty mum on the economic impact. Uh, you know, and that's just the way they get down. They're always like that. They don't, you know, they don't share a lot of bad news over there. But uh, I mean, it's got to be substantial, right? Factories are shut down. People aren't people aren't working. Restaurants are closed. Like, you know, Shanghai, which is a city that hasn't really been that affected by the virus is shut down. Like I have friends there sending me pictures and like downtown at 6 PM on a Friday night is a ghost town. So, you know, it's, and you know, people like Apple companies like Apple have come out and said there's been disruptions in their supply chain and stuff. So I think, uh, it's probably going to have a real big economic impact on China, but also the rest of the world. You know, down in Thailand, there's way fewer Chinese tourists there, you know, coming down right now. And that's a huge impact on their economy. So I think it'll be pretty substantial. And uh, but the longer it draws out, of course, the worse it'll be. So I guess we'll have to wait and see until like the end of the quarter to see what real impacts there have been. Mm-hmm. Well, if this scenario of a West Coast scenario continues, I mean, it's horrendous. It's, it would be horrendous and tragic and, you know, and really disturbing. But on the other hand, I'm like, this could be like the triggering and turning point for Bitcoin to go, you know, on a trajectory. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you could make the case that, you know, the run up in January was maybe partially motivated by that in the first place, like to safety and, you know, what, what looks to be the case. I mean, there's many variables, of course, but you know, China is going to stimulate the economy for sure after when this settles down or even, even during. And so there's going to be a lot more money sloshing around and, you know, every other economy in the world is going to keep probably doing the same thing that they've been doing, the interventions that they've been doing. So, I mean, at this stage, you know, Bitcoin obviously has a mind of its own and it, you know, it zigs when you think it's going to zag and all this kind of stuff, but there's just so many uh, variables yeah. that are on, you know, on a, you know, mid to long-term time horizon that are incredibly bullish for Bitcoin. Like, so, you know, so many from its own, its own technical attributes and development in the community to you know, the greater microclimate around the world. So, you know, it's always that case where you like, do you think it's going to pull back and then you can, you know, stack more with whatever, uh, whatever I'm devoting to it or, or yeah, I mean, so for me, I was bullish. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know the ups and downs. I don't know if the virus or the stimulus or, you know, if there's a big, if there's a big global economic downturn, either as a result of this or just the, as a result of the fact that, you know, we're in the longest bull market in, in history right now. So most people think, maybe after the election because trump will do everything he can to prop things up before that yeah but uh you know after got to be a retraction and 
you know, got to be pretty bad because we're in a way worse state than we were in, in, uh, in 2008, you know, in terms of debt and, and all the rest. So, you know, we'll, in that environment, Bitcoin's never been tested in that kind of environment. You know, obviously Bitcoin was born out of the last uh, financial crisis. And so does liquidity dry up and do people, you know, pull back from the riskier sort of assets? And does that, is that negative for Bitcoin or is there a massive flight to certainty? And, you know, Bitcoin provides certainty. Obviously it's volatile, but you, it's certainty is in its monetary policy. You know, how much there's going to be, when they're going to be issued, all that kind of stuff. And in a climate where, in a, in a chaotic climate where certainty is hard to find in the global financial system, whether we're talking about currencies or stocks or whatever, maybe uh, the flight to safety to Bitcoin will be amplified in, in a scenario like that. And if that's the case, man, I mean, th things could get really crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, have you been able to a little bit listen to the, uh, it was pretty cool actually, the panel discussions on the unconfiscatable event, which I would have loved to go, but, you know, uh, was like, you know, Safeda Namucha, Komazuko, Trace Meyer, all these people discussing. So if you have any, any chance, uh, uh, you should check out their, their discussions. It's, you know, on Ton Bay's channel uh, and maybe on some other channels too. I didn't see it, but what what did they what did they say about all that? Well, uh, they had different you know topics to talk about. Like one topic, also Max Kaiser with Stacey Herbert was there. So you know they talk about traditional finance and 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 you know how, how for what well, that's that's the reason I wanted to ask you, like because you were also in the wealth management uh, business. Um, uh, do you think like alternate high uh, what we call it alternate uh, worth people are? Uh, uh, you know, more and more waking up to Bitcoin and secretly sort of uh, stacking sets in millions. Or, um, <laughs> um, you know, when I was in the, when I was in the game, uh, you know, Bitcoin just wasn't on the radar. So I, I don't know from that perspective, you know, I know Andy Edstrom, he, he just mm -hmm. uh, released his book, Why Buy Bitcoin? So he would be probably more insightful on that. And from what I've heard from him, it's starting to trickle in now. And then you've got people like... Uh, Raul Pal, who says, you know, like the infrastructure may not be ready for a lot of uh, funds to get their clients into Bitcoin, although that's obviously happening now as well. But he's, he, you know, according to him, um, a lot of, you know, his uh, his friends and the people he knows in uh, in that industry, uh, like the fund managers, they're all invested in it. You know, so uh, it's, you know, I, I think it's it's starting to get there. And what I think a lot of people have been noticing even in the last, you know, three to six months is that, you know, mainstream retail attention is starting to like perk up again, you know, like whether that's coverage on the news or whether that's your friends asking you about it again, or whether that's Google trends or, or that kind of stuff. But it just seems like it, like the interest is starting to pick back up again and people are, are looking at it through a bit of a different lens, right? 2017 was let's get rich quick and then it popped and oh, it's a bubble, it's tulips, it's forget about it, it's bullshit. And now people are like noticing, oh, it's still here and oh, it's bounced back up to 10 and oh, it's, it's, not, it's not tulips, it's a new financial system, it's a digital gold, it's a trust network, it's a this and that and that. Like, oh, that's interesting. And now... <clears throat> There's so many more resources for noobs. Like, look, it seems like there's a new book coming out every day. There's a shitload of podcasts. Yeah. There's a ton of great uh, content online. There's all these different sites that are curating content now. You know, Bitcoin only and Bitcoin best and the work that uh, Dur Gigi has done. 
Bitcoin resources. Like, you know, there's, there's tons of stuff out there now. So if you're a noob coming into the, the space, I mean, people are still going to fall for the, yeah. the, the normal pitfalls of, you know, trying to make faster money on altcoins or whatever bullshit is the flavor of the month. But, uh, but there's just, you know, there's a lot more resources out there and that's a good thing. So when, when interest peaks up, hopefully people can skip over some of the bullshit. Right. And you know, the fundamentals of Bitcoin, I think are more and more and deeper, deeper understood now, whether it's the average person or let's say, you know, macro investors, traditional, uh, whatever investors, um, the monetary properties of Bitcoin, I think are now finally, you know, it's, 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 it's now going through the layers of the brain. Like, okay, this is really, this is absolute scarcity. When, when did you first, for the first time, like understand the principle or the fundamentals of, of absolute scarcity? Cause it took me a long time actually. Yeah, I, I agree. And to, to address your first comment is, you know, when I first started, you know, when I went down the rabbit hole with Ron Paul initially, right? No, the word fiat was not in the public, really? you know, mm -hmm. uh, lexicon, you know, you wouldn't hear, people on CNBC or anything like that use that word. And now it's everywhere. You know, people are, you know, people at Davos, people on CNBC, they're, they're using that word fiat and money printing is like also in the, in the public lexicon. People start to like people, I don't, people don't, most people don't understand the implications of that, but many people, if you watch the financial news or if you pick up any of the, the political news or whatever, you'll probably hear the term money printing and fiat. And that just, that's starting to seep in. And that obviously creates more fertile ground when you encounter Bitcoin for it to sink in a bit more to understand that the impact or gravity of it a bit more. Uh, but to answer your second question, I didn't get, it's, it's funny. I mean, looking back on one's Bitcoin journey is all, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's somewhat aggravating. It's funny. It's, a, it's like you just you look back and notice how many things you missed. And of course, you're always learning. So that's always going to be the case. And that's one of the wonderful things about it. But, uh, you know, the 21 million supply cap was always I understood it. I was like, wow, this is, you know, it can't be can't be manipulated. You can't just say I want more and create inflation and that kind of stuff. And that's part of the reason why I saw value in it. But I didn't understand the term or the idea of absolute scarcity and particularly, you know, just didn't sink in until I read safe's book. Uh, and after I read safe's book, it just, it coalesced much more clearly for oh, me, me too. Not, like much more impactfully. Cause they're, they're really the same knowing that, you know, it can, it will only ever be 21 million and never more is the same as kind of understanding absolute scarcity, but it just didn't, there was a gap there in the understanding. It didn't sink in, in such a way. And so uh, when it did, and when I finished Safe's book, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, this, you know, this, this one aspect of this, tech, this technology and this phenomenon, I didn't fully appreciate. And I, I guess I'm started, I started to fully appreciate it then. And uh, yeah, so, you know, again, like the, the rabbit hole always goes deeper and your conviction usually uh, increases with every exactly. step you take down there. Mm -hmm. uh, this process of you know being having the not only the belief but uh, i always say the trust like trust is beyond belief or uh, uh conviction but yeah it's the same thing you know having the conviction the comprehension then then there's no more room for doubts or skeptics or self self uh, self-doubt or self-sabotage so um you know you're and, right uh, man and yeah and one of the th one of the things that that looking back on it i can say hindered me in that regard was 
early on when I, I, I looked at it, just, you know, looked at how it was distributed and the hard cap and everything about it, I was like, yes, this is awesome. But I didn't realize till later that you, you, you mentioned like self-sabotage. I, I'm, an aspect of it for me was I didn't like, and I don't think, I'm, I don't think it's entirely unreasonable to have thought this way because this is such a paradigm shift that like, yeah. you know, it's hard you, you, I'm going to beat myself to recognizing it. I haven't let myself believe found like that I stumbled across like a world future changing, absolute paradigm shifting technology. Like my, whether it's my ego or my insecurity or whatever it was about me, just wouldn't allow me to sit back and think, John, you've like found Atlantis here. Like you, you've really stumbled on something here. So I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have uh, in the early days, uh, but that's changed now, of course. Mm. Uh, what is, um, okay, let, let's, let's finish off this, this absolute scarcity. This is, there was this uh, tweet uh, some time ago, somebody calculated, you know, there's like 21 million Bitcoin. There's like, uh, what, seven or 8 billion people uh, on this planet. And I think there are, could that be like true, like 35 million or 40 million millionaires is that does that is that is like a like correct uh, yeah i think that's about accurate i i think there's like 21 million in the states so it kind of mm -hmm. makes sense that there'd be another roughly 20 uh around the world yeah so i'm like you know if if um with it you know it's the average person or the, the, the you know the big alternate high worth individual uh, it's like, what do you have to lose? Like, <laughs> like even if you have like 0 0.28 Bitcoin, which is uh, allegedly the average thing that is, that puts you in the top, whatever, one or 10% of the, you know, wealthiest Bitcoiners. So I'm like, you know, this is like, whether you call it like a hedge or, you know, a savings technology or whatever, uh, I think this is something that people have to grasp uh, eventually that, what do you have to lose, right? If you allocate a minimal, you know, percentage of it. A hundred percent. And I think the fact that we've just closed the first decade of its existence is probably going to be a big, like psychological thing for a lot of those people, because you just, the best performing asset over the past decade, you, it's way harder to just dismiss and say, well, it's not a real thing. It's uh, geek money. It's nerd money. It's internet. It's tulips. Like, you know, you're going to have a much harder time casting it aside from, from now on, just because it's, it's got a decade under its belt and it kicked everybody's asses during that time. And so I think people are going to have to start looking at it more seriously. And to your point, I mean, what, what is allocating 0.5 or 1% of your, your portfolio to it? It's, it's, it's nothing. You're taking on almost no risk and the upside is tremendous. Uh, so I think, again, another reason why... That's just another reason for, for being bullish because when that really clicks and the kind of floodgates open for people in those positions in that industry, it's a no-brainer. They're going to be like, yeah, of course we should allocate 1% as a hedge to everything else and probably more. You know, I mean, we're all, we're psychopaths for Bitcoin, so we've allocated way more than 1%, I assume. Like people that are more conservative and that have to consider other factors and professionals and blah, blah, blah. You know, one percent would is probably still very conservative. Maybe two or three or four or five would would uh, is is would be the case. And if that's the case again, there's just 
there's not enough of these things to go around. So <laughs> the mm -hmm. price is going to have to adjust upward. Do, do you see like the next one or two years, the, once the lightning thing, I mean, this, uh, you know, the, uh, this new uh, development, uh, what's going on in lightning uh, space, especially when what Jack Mullers is like, I'm really excited what Jack Mullers has created because that would, that would put something, you know, a tool into the hands of people without the people having even to think about Bitcoin. I mean, if then we got finally you know, this, 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 the satisfaction of the outcry for like, oh, you know, it's got no utility. It's not a medium exchange. You cannot pay your coffee with that. But then after, you know, once you have like millions and hundreds of millions of transactions per second with the Lightning Network, I think this is going to, you know, just, just uh, you know, uh, uh, put it into a totally different dimension. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, first, first of all, Jack is a total gangster. I mean, he's he's launching world-changing technology applications from his like computer room in his fucking boxers. You know, like I, I I I smile when I think about how this history will be told. You know, in twenty, thirty, forty, a hundred years, when when you know, because like we'll study the history of money right now, and we'll look at gold, right, and we'll look at the florin, and we'll look at you know what happened in Constantinople, and you know we'll 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 try to understand how these monetary instruments emerged and what happened to them and how they maybe went away or devolved or whatever. And like when the history is told, when people are looking back and they're like, one of the, you know, the big, you know, big developments uh, after a decade was, uh, you know, the Lightning Network. And here's one of the, one of the, you know, uh, people that contributed like. Okay. Are you back, John? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. maybe I, I, maybe I got my bandwidth problem. I don't know what's happening right now, but I don't know. Maybe solar eruptions or whatever. So, uh, yeah. Let's, <laughs> where did you? Let me let me turn off me? my video. I'm gonna turn off both of our videos, and so we have a little bit more bandwidth. All right. Uh, where did where did I lose you, or where did you lose me? Yeah, yeah. Um, you were talking about Jack Mallers. It's like totally groundbreaking, evolutionary. Uh, we're gonna continue with that. Yeah. So I, I was just I would just want to say first of all, Jack's a gangster, and I think it'll be really funny when we look back on the history of this. Uh, you know what's happening now, and him being one of the like the the main figures, uh, at least in the development of Lightning, and for for like people who are studying it at that time to look back and see this kid dropping videos in his boxers about like these groundbreaking technological advancements. I think it's going to be pretty funny. Um, you know, lightning, I feel like lightning is a whole other universe that I am, you know, going to need to explore because the implications of it, I think I still don't, I don't fully grasp. I mean, look how long it's taken us to understand, you know, a lot of the implications, if not the full implications of the base layer that I think when we dive, you know, when the implications of lightning become more and more apparent, it's, you know, it's going to open up a universe of financial services and economic interaction and all sorts of stuff that right now we just can't, you know, we can't project our minds that far out into the future. Um, I think it's awesome. The work that's going on, the, it's awesome. The work that Jack has done. I don't know enough about uh, strike to really comment on it yet. Like it, 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 it it's an awesome service. I think it's, it seems to me at least cause, and I'll have to talk to hopefully get a chance to talk to Jack about it, but you know, there's obvious connections to the 
that you know if if it ever needed to or wanted to be shut down by the forces that the powers that be it probably could be but still as a as a bridge right now to allow bitcoiners to act interact with no coiners and no coiners to interact with bitcoiners in a seamless way i mean it's awesome yeah exactly um so i'm gonna not i'm gonna not take too much time of you john because i know you don't have much time but let's wrap it up because my might you know my internet connection could be you know dis- more, become more disastrous yeah, um, sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm good i'm good on time for now. yeah a half Our- an hour so totally up to you Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, because I don't want to, you know, mess. Maybe I'll I'll have you back in the near future because this would I don't want to have you know, like a low quality, uh, pod, a podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, so, John, I wanted to ask you when you uh, not not beyond you know the monetary economical uh, forces and potential of Bitcoin. Where do you mm-hmm. see like our society? This is something I I would love to you know share more. Uh, thoughts and because you know Safid Anamous talked about this in his book and I know I repeat myself sometimes in my interviews but this is the, one of the most fascinating aspects that once we have this you know Andreas Antonopoulos talks about the architecture the foundation so once we have this decentralized monetary system you know I call this the monetary root layer of Bitcoin where do you see our society or maybe I thought um, the educational wise would would people maybe become have be more open-minded and more respect receptive to additional ideas of what bitcoin can enable facilitate in their daily lives in 10 15 years let's say to come you know what i'm saying like how would people's people's lives change you know is it going to be more comfortable are going to be people uh, you know, work less, uh, retire earlier, have more f- free space, free time, more innovative technologies, you know, that zero to one technologies that Sapita Namus talks about in his low time preference, you know, gold standard versus fiat standard. Do you know where I'm going with this a question? I, like, what's I, the I, vision? I do know where you're going. And it's, you know, it's one of the big questions often debated the, uh, about Bitcoin. You know, and of course, it's all just speculation. On the one hand, you know, first of all, of course, interacting with Bitcoin changes, you know, your behavior and and how you see the world and all of that. And you and I and everybody else that falls into this rabbit hole is is proof of that. Some of us are more primed to, you know, get it sooner. But, you know, I haven't met a Bitcoiner yet who is in this space and has been in the space for a while and hasn't, you know, changed some aspect of their life or their behavior. So I think, yes, change is inevitable. And it seems to be that change uh, moving toward taking greater personal responsibility for you know, nearly every aspect of your life, whether it be financial or health or familial or, or any other area, is a, is a pretty common hallmark of that change. And so you know, I think if Bitcoin were to become you know, a global monetary standard or the global monetary standard, then we would probably see uh, similar changes inspired in people that are interacting with it all over the world. And uh, that is awesome. I mean, I, I think that is sorely needed in, in our, our you know, global culture and civilization today. And, you know, it'll happen in pockets and spurts. And, you know, some people will just kind of remain Luddites and their heads will stay in the sand. I mean, there's many examples today of like, world-changing technologies that we all engage in that a lot of people have just decided not to adopt. So there's going to be that, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, if, if there's a, like a bifurcation of humanity to the ones that benefit from 
you know, engaging and using a far different monetary standard and an organizing mechanism for human uh, interaction than and, and versus ones that kind of stay in the old world then you know this whole concept of citadels and stuff may actually play out because you know there's going to be one group that's far and away ahead of the other one and uh so 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 that could play out but and you know the transition probably going to be messy and i i don't like thinking about uh you know how the current state of affairs plays out i'm extremely grateful that bitcoin exists as kind of like a a pickup truck truck driving uh next to the train that's about to roll off the tracks you know and you people can jump off onto the pickup truck and and save themselves you know that it's definitely good that that is here but the transition will probably still be a bit messy and i don't look forward to that but at, you know 100 years from now or in whatever period in the future i just see you know, far more peaceful, uh, far fairer, uh, far more uh, prosperous global society as a result of, of using uh, something like Bitcoin as, uh, as the global monetary instrument. Because, you know, in, in this space, there's a lot of talk about different economic philosophies, you know, uh, uh, Austrian economics and libertarianism and socialism and all this kind of stuff. And these are, you know, perfectly fine and entertaining arguments to have. I just published a, a podcast today with Jeff Vandrew and, you know, he's not a free market capitalist, even though he is a, a Bitcoin supporter. So we had a, you know, nice friendly little back and forth and disagreement and it was fun, but I just tend to think that the society we get, you know, so the behavior of the people in that society and then the greater sort of emerge structures that emerge in society as a result or that that result is is primarily predicated on the instrument that's used to organize human economic interaction aka the money and so i think that if we're finding that we're not organizing as a species as optimally as we see or socialism or you know capitalism as it's been tried before or crony you know like whatever our issue is with how we're organizing and interacting I think instead of looking at a philosophy or a theory of organizing to try to resolve that, I think we should look at the mechanism or the instrument on which all of that organization is predicated. And that is the, the monetary instrument. So exactly. there will come a time, you know, let's say, Thanks. let's say in the future that uh, Bitcoin is the global monetary instrument. I suspect there will come a time whether it's a hundred years or 500 years or 50 years or whatever, where we'll say, you know, the, the problems that we're noticing in the world, you know, there, there will obviously be problems. And I think the smart approach to resolving them won't be like, what kind of political philosophy can we conjure up, but rather, okay, let's look at the attributes of Bitcoin and let's determine what those attributes manifest in terms of, social behavior and, uh, you know, and culture. And let's see if tweaking any of those can ameliorate the issues that we're seeing, you know? So that's why we're also hyped up on Bitcoin because we can see how this mon using this monetary instrument not only has affected us in our personal lives, but would do so much for, you know, removing inefficiency and, uh, you know, uh, reducing corruption and, and, uh, and re like, far re reducing the incentive for, for 
for war and promoting peace and all that kind of stuff. So that'll always be the case. And I, I instead of getting bogged down in these political theory arguments, I just think it's it's almost always going to be about that monetary instrument upon which society is based. And if we're, we're seeing problems in society, we should look at that instead of, you know, some theory uh, to layer on top of it. Fascinating. Yeah. So we're on the same page, John. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said. No, you know why? Because the most exciting, so of course, you know, we all want to become more, you know, it's all about the fundamental, it's about a fundamental, you know, human right. It's about freedom. It's, it's about, you know, being really in every on every level we can imagine, we are we are definitely not free at this moment. And right, right. and if you if you we if we question you know the essence of the legitimacy of the nation state, the gov any nation state, any government, any you know central bank, <laughs> so uh, the whole centralized structures, it's just uh, it. I mean, what could what could think you know this is a dystopian nightmare, but but it's reality. Um, so. Yeah, once we have this, you know, decentralized, uh, free architecture foundation, which you know a lot of Bitcoiners or prominent Bitcoiners are preaching about, this could eventually. This is the most exciting aspect. This could red, like facilitate the release, disclosure, and development, and and mass production. You know, of of totally innovative technologies, which could e eventually, you know, serve humanity, serve us. And this is what I, I, I couldn't, what I see. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more, man. And I, I, you know, we all think we live in this super modern world today. And like, you know, progress has been made, obviously. But I do think, you know, what would, what would have been the case if we had just, you know, well, I mean, you can't do these what ifs, right? Because the reason why we have fiat money right now is because of the failings of gold, right? <laughs> so we can't say like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we're still on a harder monetary standard? But so to your to your point, I just, I totally agree. I think that, you know, global adoption of Bitcoin as the, you know, primary monetary standard will just mean a, a complete unlocking or unleashing of human potential. And we will see development and interaction and exploration and technology and prosperity and peace, the likes of which we can't even really imagine, imagine. right now. Exactly. And I know that sounds like super exaggerated, but if we're, if we're where we at right now, where we are right now based on the monies that we've used in the past, I mean, I, with such a profound upgrade in the money and, you know, people really need, I know you appreciate this and most Bitcoiners listening to, but people in the, you know, the, the normal world really need to appreciate the role that money plays in a society. I mean, it's, it's yeah. so it's foundational. And uh, when, when that money is, has been upgraded to, to the extent that Bitcoin represents, uh, I, I just, I, it's hard to imagine how that's going to, the benefits that, that are going to manifest in the world as a result of that. So I'm super pumped. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know, you you're one of the few people, John. I mean, uh, I, I know, I, I you know, I listen to your podcast, and I know you've been deep in the rabbit hole. So I think most people have a hard time understanding, comprehending how much time and potential we have lost because mm -hmm. all these technologies have been either suppressed. I mean, whatever started with Nikola Tesla, you know, and this whole thing with J.P. Morgan, you know, it doesn't matter. But I mean, there's so many inventors, scientists. There's so much potential out there that has been, 
you know, whether it be the patent system or, the, you know, the, it, I'm, I'm like, we could have a totally different civilization. This is what I'm saying, you know, and Bitcoin is the ultimate tool. If we have no other choice than, than to have this decentralized uh, money, hardest and scarcest money with all the monetary properties we can dream of. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes, you know, how can we, try, you know, communicate this vision the the, rea the reality of this vision uh, to to you know to the masses out there it's 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 real and it's possible <laughs> you know well you're you're doing it man i mean that's what that's what this kind of stuff is about podcasting writing books articles talking on twitter like it's happening before our eyes and sometimes it's difficult to see things when you're in in the eye of the storm as it were but you know these sorts of conversations that you know, we all have our blind spots, of course, and we all, our, our scope of knowledge on things is always incomplete. But what, you know, what is, what pervades the Bitcoin quote unquote community is a lot of people that, you know, have humbled themselves enough to go down a rabbit hole of learning about something that is very complex and has wide reaching implications. And in order to understand it in its totality, you have to understand, you have to study history you have to study economics you have to study you know uh like you know politics to some degree human behavior technology all of that kind of stuff and i i my hope is and i think this is the case but when people interact with these sorts of conversations if they're at all open-minded enough to have a you know or if they're at all able to have an open mind and not just and presumably if they've if they've sought out these conversations and they they have enough of an open mind they're going to they're going to see people that seem very, very genuine and seem reasonably well-informed mm. and seem to be having uh, good-natured and well-intentioned discourse about this stuff. And that in itself has an impact. I remember when I um, was first listening to Andreas, like there were some things I was like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Like I, I didn't, the content, I, it wasn't landing for me, but I could, I could see how genuine and truthful he he was being yeah i could see the passion that he had for it i mean not many people can get up on stage and just kind of stream of consciousness talk about something that's so complex and has so many different angles from which to look at it right. and andreas could do that and so when i was observing him i was like okay you know i not sold on the 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 actual fun uh the objective attributes because I, I i don't have the context enough to under, to appreciate them all yet but i can see a guy who's clearly genuine and passionate and informed and that was you know that inspired me as well to, to look further because there's so much out there today on so many things and there's so much bullshit out there and so much fake yeah. shit and so much disingenuine behavior that when you encounter genuineness and and authenticity you're like all right there's this is there's something going on here like is it worth my while to investigate it yes or no that's the decision we all have to make but like you know so i i think these conversations and you know as many of them as possible and i i'm you know i haven't done any speaking yet publicly but mm -hmm. it's definitely something i'd like to do because like it's okay it's <laughs> it's it's okay if if you get up and you don't know the answer to the question it's okay if you misstate something it's okay if you said something one week and a week later you changed it a bit like pe people aren't gonna hold you too strictly to being perfectly accurate in everything you're saying people are going to hold you to being genuine and authentic and having the right intent and if you can do that and share some of that enthusiasm and this is something that i've said on a bunch of my pods is 
like, I, and I know like if you're in the Bitcoin space and you want to remain anonymous, totally respect that. And you know, it's all good, but you know, I'm a fan of sharing enthusiasm because people respond to enthusiasm. So if you can talk about this subject matter and show that enthusiasm and authenticity, I mean, people are going to be drawn to that. And then they, they start their own journey about, you know, uh, gaining more information and, and, and heading on down the rabbit hole. But, you know, I just think more, more, more everywhere, everyone, um, not that, not that it requires us. I mean, this, this thing is going to impose its will on the world, whether we're involved or not, but you know, one, I enjoy it. It's fun. I think it's tremendously important. And the reality is, is like, if we can, year then that's that's probably a worthwhile goal because because of the positive effects that that it probably will have um and you know being historically accurate it's not gonna i'm not gonna lose sleep over that either you know mm -hmm. of course the the risk is being not historically accurate but if i can look back in 10 and 20 years of my life and say yeah i was like there at that time and i was uh you know i was trying to contribute in my small way then you know i think i'll i'll be comfortable with that in the future yeah yeah well patience is a bitch i know it for myself <laughs> i am myself impatient because i know you know it, it we can we can mass accelerate this i know we need, we just need the critical adoption rate with its you know two or three or five percent of earth's population and it just it's just going to take off i just know that but maybe it has a purpose inbuilt purpose uh or there's a sense to that whole thing why it's taking the process as it's you know as it's going right so yeah but you know um, you know what's interesting is is like the the thing that i guess i sometimes have to remind myself is like there's no end here right mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know bitcoin being adopted by 10 percent, 20 percent, 30 percent, 100 percent of the global population like things don't stop then like we will just move the goalposts and we'll we'll find something else that uh, yeah. that needs our passion and our effort and our articulation you know i, I had a chat with um uh, Bitcoin sign guy. And, you know, his, one of the things he said in our discussion was, um, Bitcoin, uh, can't be an end, you know, it has to be a means, right? So uh -huh. it, it is, it is a means to an end and there's no, you know, I, I like you, of course, I, I, I want to see, you know, rapid and, and total adoption, but I, I kind of hold back on, having that as an objective because that will just be another stage in the journey. And, you know, who knows what comes after that, but, uh, but, you know, so I, I am impatient too, but on the other, on the, on the flip side, I'm not because I, I have, you know, I, I feel like it's going to unfold as it should. And also I got no problem with the uh, cheap sats, uh, uh, cheap, you know, stacking yeah. cheap sats, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, man. I mean, who, who knows where all this is going to wind up. But one of the things I'm grateful for is actually this, you know, having these conversations like we are right now, because in whatever future manifests in 10 or 20 years, like I'm just going to be super stoked to have made these connections with people like you right now. Cause I'm sure, you know, we'll meet and meet space one day and we'll have a beer and we'll talk about this stuff. And it's just, yeah. it's just a, it's such an awesome community. I know p some people are averse to that term, but you know, I'm not, so I'll, I use it pretty liberally, but I just think this is 
such an awesome community of people. And uh, if you can, yeah, if you can get through the such a you know a, like a super spectrum, you know, of people from all around the world from different, you know, let's just call it I don't know, uh, you know, schools of thoughts and 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 philosophies and 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 perspectives and vision. It's it's really amazing, you know. <laughs> Totally. And if you can get past the, the veneer, the illusion of, you know, toxicity, then uh, what opens up is just the most stimulating, uh, you know, satisfying community that you could, you know, that I've ever come across. So it's, uh, it's, a, I mean, I'm just lucky. I don't know how it all, you know, how this all happened. You know, I guess there's a certain degree of luck in, in a lot of us who came across Bitcoin and, and had the, the background to appreciate it to some degree early on, but it's, it's incredible, man. I, I, I'm it just, I was saying at the very beginning of this, that when I was like, when I became a gold bug, cause I saw the extent of the problems in the world, it was pretty disheartening. And I kind of had to just, you know, regroup and figure out how to move forward in life positively. And uh, this community and this, you know, technology phenomenon, whatever you want to call it makes that a lot easier because it's this big giant you know, ray of hope on the horizon that's just, shot, you know, brightly, that's, you know, rising on the horizon and shines more every day. And, um, you know, that just gives you that boost, that energy, that excitement to, to uh, pursue, you know, things that you think are worthwhile and not, and not be so cynical and check out of life and just think everything is fucked and, you know, it's never going to be better. I mean, this radically you know, the changes intention that is perspective. So important. Yeah. The intention, yeah. you know, like, how do you think how that, that, that itself is, you know, it has an impact on, on our environment, you know, how we think, what's our intention, right? A hundred percent, man. I mean, how many people in the world wake up? I mean, I was in this place uh, before, but how many people wake up at a job they hate and just like put their feet on the floor? Oh my and God. I know a breathe lot of a big sigh. Hate their yeah, jobs. And, yeah. yeah. They, you know, fill their body with crap and watch shit TV and just like, just kind of hate the whole routine of life. And, you know, mm -hmm. I've joked a bunch of times on, on my, my show, but like, I think, you know, obviously we have uh, rising rates of depression and anxiety and, and this kind yeah. of stuff in, in the world today. Like, I think Bitcoin should be any part of like a sensible protocol of someone who's like dealing with a mental health professional. Like, yes, you get your psychotherapy and maybe you're sprinkling a little bit of the emerging therapies around psychedelics and stuff. But like mm -hmm. maybe a bit of Bitcoin education was just that final little unlock to say, hey, because mo a lot of people... Of course, it's personal issues, but we, 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 like our perception of ourselves, obviously in reference to the world around us. So if we see the world around us as, you know, just a dark, uh, you know, storm clouds on the horizon, we can't see any way that the things we see that are problems can get turned around, then that's going to affect us greatly. But if we have this little thing that, that shines a ray of hope on all that, then uh, that, that's going to impact our sense of happiness, contentness, uh, opportunity, um, positivity, like all that stuff. So I do joke about it, but I like, I can't wait for the first like psychologist or whatever to include that in their protocol. Like you've got fitness and, you know, waking up every morning and having a good workout and doing the cold showers and eating well and, and you know, psychedelic psychotherapy, and then a little bit Bitcoin as the cherry on the top. And damn, that seems like a pretty fine protocol to turn somebody's life around. 
That sounds like a super holistic uh, resort program, man. We should open up a resort. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm working Seriously, on it. Seriously, I think the people are ready. Seriously, John, I think people are now finally, you know, it, now with its diet. And, you know, I used to be vegan myself uh, for six or seven years. So, uh, you know, there's a reason I changed my diet again. But, you know, I think people are really more conscious, more self-conscious, more, you know, self-reflective. And I, I think this is the the pulse of our times, you know, 100%, man, I couldn't agree more. And again, like we always look out on the world to see if there's any evidence of this way that we're thinking, but like, mm -hmm. we are the evidence, like we, like we're the person that other people were waiting for. Like the person who was, who knew all this, that what we're discussing and was this kind of mindset, like 15 years ago, we're the people they were waiting for. Exactly. And then, yes. so there's going to be, you know, there's going to be people in 10 years that were the people that we were waiting for. And so this change is happening because it is us. And I, uh, you know, I, I, like I discussed my background at the beginning of the show, like, you know, always been into, you know, health and, and fitness and wellness and uh, obviously the psychedelic stuff. So yeah, man, like I'd love to get groups of people together and, and uh, explore some of these uh, pursuits and this area, this, you know, subject matter. And, uh, perhaps in the future, like help people get a little taste or sample of them so that they can uh, see if it has any benefit in their lives and then, and then go on from there. But there does seem to be, and there has for a while seemed to be a pretty dramatic shift in, in mindsets around the world, obviously, mm -hmm. particularly in the, in the younger generation. Mm -hmm. Now, balancing that is still like an accelerating amount of crazy shit too, which is, you know, is always concerning, but look, uh, maybe that's always the way of the world. And, you know, we just have to, uh, for me, it's, it's all about not trying not to focus about on the, the crazy shit that's going on in the world, but just being and building, um, the change you want to see as cliche as, uh, as it sounds. But if you're engaging in the things that you think are beneficial in your life and have a, a broader beneficial impact, uh, and continuously working to understand yourself as well as you can and working to improve yourself as much as you can, then look, that, that's the best you can ask for. And you got to let the chips fall where they may if you do that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm right now I'm like thinking, okay, some of my listeners are going to think, what's got, got that to do, you know, with Bitcoin? So, so, <laughs> but it does, it does. I mean, it's, 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 I, we, we got to see it like really in a, in a holistic, uh, you know, perspective from a holistic perspective and, and comprehension uh, level, because it will, it will unimaginably and radically, you know, change every facet of our lives uh, uh, sooner or later. So, um, it was, to be honest with you, John, this is one of my favorite talks I've had with you because uh, <laughs> it, it goes really to the essence of why Bitcoin, you know, why are we doing, why, why are we striving, why are we trying, you know, and doing whatever it takes to educate, to open up to, you know, and I love your open-minded, you know, if I may call it, you know, scientific, spiritual open-mindedness. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, hope, hope you, you know, you're going to come to Austria or I'll see you sometime in person because we could do a special episode on, you know, all this psychedelic stuff. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, man, I'm, I'm sure, you know, when, when we get together, I'm sure we'll have like a, a several hour long conversation over some, some beers or something like that. But, uh, absolutely. but yeah, like I said, man, I, uh, I, I've always, you, ever since you launched your show, I, uh, I thought the format was awesome. I loved how you initially got, you know, a, a several different people on the, on like a three-way or four-way call sort of thing. And I've used your 
interviews um, to prepare me for for some of the guests that I've had on my show. So well, I can um, and look, say the same about you, man. We're super inspirational. <laughs> I, th I think your questions are like awesome. It's like on spot, you know, like super sharp minded questions that really cut to the chase, you know, and really make the, your guests really reflect things, you know, totally differently as 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 if they, you know, would have just been in a normal conversation. It's it's really awesome how, how you style the interviews, you know. Well, I, I really appreciate that, man. And I, as perhaps it's the same with you, but it's funny, like, you know, I started this because I enjoy having these conversations. And like, you know, sometimes you can fall into the trap of like starting to, uh, you like, or thinking more about like, oh, what do people want to hear? And maybe I should do that or that. And like, I always come back to, no, 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 this, this is for me. Like th th these conversations are for me. And, you know, I publish them just in case anybody else wants to listen in, but like, you know, th this is because I want to have these conversations and I want to connect with these people, uh, you know, as genuinely as possible over a shared, uh, shared interest. But still, you know, you, sometimes I record when I listen to it back and I'm like, the fuck was that? Like, you, you know, just, it, it, we're, we're always our worst critics, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so it's nice, nice, nice to hear those, uh, those words, man. I appreciate the, the kind totally. thoughts. So, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up, John, and hope to, you know, get you back sooner. Uh, you know, I'd love really to see you in person. Uh, your Twitter handle is uh, John K. Vallis, uh, and you got your Bitcoin um, podcast, Bitcoin Rapid Fire, and, also, what I find fascinating, your your YouTube channel since today. <laughs> yeah, the YouTube channel's got a, a bunch of a sprinkling of a bunch of different stuff. As part of my that uh, RV road trip, I just um, like I would park in a parking lot, like in different places around Europe. And if I saw somebody interesting, like there's one up there, the Italian yogi. So I I parked on a uh -huh. uh, in in a little parking lot in some small town in Italy. I can't even remember uh, the name of it. But awesome. he was he, he was next to me meditating, he, like right next to me meditating. And so when he finished, I went up to him. I was like, hey, man, uh, you don't want to like record a conversation. That's do you? awesome. And uh, he was like, um, what about? And I was like, I don't know. We'll just roll the camera and talk. And he was like, yeah, OK, cool. So uh, so, you know, there's a bunch of conversations like that in there. So, yeah, a little bit of everything. Now I'm going to check check some of the, some of your videos out with my girlfriend because she was pretty impressed with uh, the topics you cover, you know, on your YouTube channel. Like that's so funny. I just had a dream last night about psychedelics with John. It's weird, man. So it's weird. <laughs> and if if you wanna, I got the only one that I'll uh, I'll prom or direct you towards. It, yeah. The very first one I did was at uh, the Beyond Psychedelics Conference in Prague in in eighteen. I think in June, maybe. Uh huh. Um, and it's with uh, Dr. Um, uh, Bill Richards. Okay. So it's, uh, which, one, which one is it there? Let me see if I can find it. That one, number one, Psychedelic Medicine, Dr. Bill Richards, uh, the second one. Oh, yeah, 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 got it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, oh, we got to check that, this out. He, so he's the, he's the clinical director for States of Consciousness Research at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. And he's been around since the early days with Tim Leary and Richard Alpert and all the way through. And he and two other guys uh, at Johns Hopkins in 99 start like restarted um the academic research into psychedelics and over the last 20 years they've really formed the basis for all the the research that's now being used to change the policies and get uh, these substances integrated into the medical system so uh and he's such a lovely man he's got such great stories so i talked to him for looks like about an hour there at that conference and uh 
you know, if, if you're kind of, even if, if you're new to psychedelics uh, or psilocybin, or even if you're not, I mean, uh, I think that was my best work. That was my, I, I, it was all downhill from there. That was my best interview. And then it all got worse from there, but I just, uh, he's such, such an amazing man. So if you're interested in that subject matter, that's a good place oh, to go. Definitely. I'm a huge advocate, you know, of, of, uh, you know, using psychedelics in therapy, therapy, you know, and, 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 uh, medical uh, applications and, 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 and therapy uh, in general because it, it oh, people too, you know don't recognize themselves this is the most fascinating aspect of it. but anyway let's um, <laughs> maybe we can talk about this um, some other time privately I'd love to man Any, anytime you want to chat either on a pod or, or otherwise just let me know I'm happy to come on <laughs> thanks so much John I really enjoyed our talk <laughs> hope to talk to you soon alright <laughs> me too man take care of yourself and have fun in Hanoi Thank you so much. Bye-bye. See you, brother. Ciao, bro.